Amen. Well, what is your deepest longing? What is your deepest longing? If you push past all the superficial things in life, like a, a good night's sleep, or, uh, or passing your exams, or the job that you want, you push past all that superficial stuff, what is your deepest longing? What is your deepest longing? Augustine wrote that our souls are restless until we find our rest in God. Moses, a few chapters later after our passage this morning, longs to see the glory of the Lord. In the Psalms, David writes, As the deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. Lord, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Paul writes in the New Testament, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Ecclesiastes says that God has set eternity in the hearts of man. The Bible teaches us that the deepest, the most profound longing of our hearts is to be in the presence of God. It is to know God and to experience Him. That's why in all the frustrations in in life, the the griefs, the sorrows, the disappointments we we have experienced, leave us with that feeling, that uh, deep-seated belief, that, that conviction that life is meant to be more than this. God has placed a longing for himself is our deepest longing in our hearts. And he's placed that longing there because he wants relationship with us. But the problem that we face is that God is dangerously holy and we are full of sin. God is dangerously holy and we are full of sin. As Tim Chester writes, for a sinful people to approach a holy God is like throwing tissue paper into a raging fire. God is so holy and so powerful that anything remotely sinful attempting to enter his presence would be utterly consumed. And so God places warnings and barriers up so so his people would be safe in Exodus chapter 19 verse 12. God says, put limits uh, for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. A warning then that's repeated in our chapter today in verse 2. Do not come near. Do not come near. We, we have this, this longing from God to be in his presence. 
But with it, with that cry that we've already heard this morning of Psalm 24, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can, can stand in his holy place? How can, I, how can I get to God? How can I be with God? How can I dwell with God? How can I be in his presence? We have a problem, but God has the solution. And his solution comes here in chapter 24 in three parts. It comes through a mediator. It comes through a covenant. And it comes through sacrifice. A mediator, a covenant, and a sacrifice. First of all, a mediator. Well, what is a mediator? A mediator is someone that acts as the, as the go-between that represents both parties. And, and when Israel sees just, just a glimpse of the glory of God on his mountain in chapter 20, they, they see the need for a mediator. Chapter 20, verse 18, when the people saw thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. God's people needed someone to speak to God on their behalf. They needed somebody to tell them what God says and Moses becomes that approved mediator. He approaches God, he speaks to God, he hears from God on behalf of God's people and speaks for God to his people. It's illustrated by the effort of Moses throughout, throughout Exodus at this point, up and down and up and down the mountain at least seven times. You know, we don't know exactly what, uh, where that mountain is, but our best estimate is that it's about 7,000 feet. That's like nearly double the size of Ben Nevis, if you've, if you've ever climbed that or, or seen that on a picture. Moses is nearly 80. Some of you are 80 or nearabouts there. Up and down the mountain you go. Imagine it. But that was his job. He was the one constantly going between the holy God and his sinful people. Ministering God's grace to his people and leading his people into the very presence of God. Verse 1. Then the Lord says to Moses, come up to the Lord. You and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near. And the people may not come up with him. We have a mediator from God set up. Moses is that mediator, the first solution to the problem. Moses permitted by God to act as the go-between between God and his people, which leads us to the second part of the solution, which is the covenant. Moses, the mediator, is permitted into God's presence for God wants to formalize his relationship with his people. God has redeemed them out of Egypt. He's led them through the Red Sea. He has brought them to himself. And now he wants to enter into covenant with his people. You know, sort of like a marriage ceremony where a husband and a wife commit 
themselves to each other on the basis of promises. God wants a relationship with his people, a covenant with his people, a commitment between him and his people. A set of terms based upon what God has done and through his, what he has said and through his written word so they may know how to live as his people. Verse 3, when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded in one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Verse 4, Moses then wrote everything down that the Lord had said. Verse 7, then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people and they responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. What is that book of the covenant? Well, that is all that we have read about in the last few weeks from Exodus chapter 20 all the way through to 23. These are the terms that God has set for his people and how they are to have fellowship with him, how they are to live with him. As we saw last week, they are to, to act justly, they are to love mercy, they are to walk faithfully with him through all of life. And not turn away from what God has said, even when it is difficult or inconvenient. They are to follow what God has said and what God has written. And notice the uh, relationship with God is all on his terms. There is no negotiations from the Israelites. You know, that letting, that that servant go on the seventh year that's going to cost me a lot of money could we negotiate on that maybe there's none of that God sets the terms he says what is right for he has rescued them he is their God and they are to follow him wholeheartedly and in hearing this God's people respond to the terms of relationship full commitment we will obey we will do everything that you say God and the covenant is made. They have a mediator, a go-between between God and man. They have a covenant, the written terms of the relationship. But they are still a sinful people. And to approach a holy God, they need to be made right. And so Moses, the mediator, ministers God's grace to his people through the shedding of blood. Verse 4 again, he, he got up, Moses got up early and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, set up 12 stone pillars representing the tribes of Israel. Then he sent the young Israelite men and they burnt offerings and sacrificed young bills as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half the blood and put it on into bowls and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then uh, verse 8, Moses then took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all of these words. Although, although this may seem gory to us, all this blood spilt and flicked and splattered around the place, it is the shedding of blood that is God's prescribed way for sins to be dealt with. And did you notice that there are two types of offerings that Moses makes? There's the burnt offerings, and then there's the fellowship offerings. 
separate offerings, the burnt offering for sin, for the things that they have done wrong, and for the fellowship offerings to display the restored relationship between God and his people. Moses, the mediator, administers God's grace through these sacrifices and sprinkles them with blood to show that God has saved his people from guilt and into relationship with him. They were cleansed. They were at peace with God. Through God's mediator, he has given a people a, a set of terms of relationship which they have committed to. Through God's mediator, he has administered his grace by cleansing his people through the sacrifice for sins. They are are committed, they are cleansed, they are at peace with God. And so God permits the mediator to lead them into the presence of God. Verse 9, Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 elders of Israel went up. And they saw the God of Israel. They saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a a, a pavement. uh, And of those two unpronounceable words, which is basically sapphire. um, And it's like a pavement made of sapphire. As bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and they drank with him. They saw God and they ate and they drank. It is not an understatement to say that this is more incredible than anything else that has happened in Exodus. It's more incredible than the plagues and being brought out of Egypt. It's more incredible than the seas parting. The deepest longing of God's people satisfied. For they saw him and they feasted with him. Can you just imagine it? Whatever limits that we have in our brains, can we just imagine it? What it must have felt like as they take a step beyond the do not come here line do not pass line and they they just reach over and gently put a foot down then they're still alive and trembling step after trembling step as they ascend the hill of the lord and they're still alive and they come closer and they come closer and god permits it and then they see him King of glory. His feet standing upon the sky as if it was a sapphire pavement. And they sit and they're in the presence of God and they eat and drink with the Lord Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth. This is the highest point of the book of Exodus. God allows his imperfect people into his presence for a meal with him. Why? 
Why aren't they consumed? Because the terms uh, of approaching him have been met. There has been mediation. There has been commitment to his covenant. There has been sacrifice for sin. And now there is soul satisfaction, a meal in the presence of God. Deepest longings met. However wonderful this moment is, it does not last. Their commitment to the covenant disappears almost as quickly as it leaves their lips. The time in God's presence is limited. They couldn't keep the law and the sacrifice of animals wasn't, was, was insufficient to fully cover their sin. And the warning barriers that God put up are raised again. Do not come near. But this was never meant to be the final solution. But it is a picture of the final solution. It's a picture of what is to come, of of something far better, something far greater, more permanent and more complete. It's pointing towards a better mediator in Christ. It's pointing to a new covenant in Christ. It's pointing to the complete sacrifice of Christ. And it's pointing towards an even greater meal with Christ. Jesus is the better mediator for he is fully God and he is fully man. Jesus, the Son of God, clothed in flesh and walked amongst us. God and man united in his very person. And Jesus doesn't go up and down and up and down and up and down the mountains, but but he descends from heaven to us to bring us a new covenant from God through his own blood. Chapter 24, verse 8, Moses says, took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and says, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance to all, all of his words. And on the night of his arrest, Jesus takes the cup and says, this covenant is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Our mediator has condescended down to us to bring us a new covenant that is made in his own blood. The new terms for relationship with God are found completely in trusting in Jesus and in his finished work on the cross. To enter into his covenant of what Rob read earlier from Ezekiel, of the new heart, of being able to follow him, of the spirit that has given us And to enter that covenant and all of its benefits, we are to simply trust in Christ and what he has done on the cross. And in response to what God has done for us in Jesus, we are to follow Jesus. 
to leave our old ways behind us and to commit to him, even when it's difficult and inconvenient. And just as the Israelites knew that you don't come to the one who has split the Red Sea and say, let's make a deal. Neither do we come to the Lord Christ and say, let's make a deal. He sets the terms for relationship. We don't come to Jesus and say, well, you know what? I just tweak a few things about Christianity. I just tweak a few things about your word, which are a little bit, a little bit nagging in our culture today. No, we don't do that. We don't set the terms. He does. Relationship with God is all on his terms. What he has done and what he has said and written for us. Even when it's difficult. Even when it's inconvenient. Even when it costs us something. And we might say, well, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. But we know, just like the Israelites and the law, we fall short. We fall short of trusting. We fall short of obeying. We, we, we want to we change what God has said. We want to uh, walk away when it's difficult. God, full of mercy, through Christ our mediator, ministers God's grace to us through his own sacrifice. Rather than needing to, to constantly sacrifice animals, Christ sacrifices once and for all. It is on the cross where the holiness of God, which consumes sin, consumes the body of the Lord Jesus who took on all of our sin. The judgment and the justice of God poured down upon him so that we are cleansed and we are at peace with God, and that we may approach the most holy God. God has saved his people from guilt, for fellowship, from rebellion to reconciliation, from slavery to worship, from death to life. He has brought us near to himself. Not with a warning barrier that says, do not come near, but rather with outstretched arms that say, approach the throne of grace with confidence. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come. Come draw near. And one day, because of Christ, not just representatives of us, like 70 of us, but all of us will ascend the hill of the Lord together to an even greater meal than the one that is written about here. But we will not only just, we won't just see the feet of God walking across the sky, but we will see the Lord Jesus shining like the sun in all of his brilliance face to face. We will be surrounded by his glory in the heavenly Jerusalem. And brothers and sisters, we will not be struck down. 
but we will be invited to his table as his family to share his food and his drink. Eating and drinking with our Savior in endless joy. Our deepest longing satisfied. Our deepest longing satisfied throughout eternity without end. Dwelling in the presence of God, feasting with him. What a day that will be when at home with him our joy will be complete. It does our souls good to dwell upon that day. When we will see him and our joy will be complete. Where our deepest longing is satisfied. And it does us good that as we wait for that glorious day to have an appetizer, doesn't it? To have a little taste of what might be. And that's why Jesus calls us to share and celebrate the Lord's Supper together. That's why... We, you know, we, we eat and we drink in the presence of God together. Seeing him with eyes of faith, proclaiming his life, death and resurrection until he comes on that day in his glory. And we will feast with him. The Lord's Supper is not a normal meal. But a wonderful gift of grace where in the presence of God we anticipate the feast to come with him. Not all humanity is heading towards that meal. You may be sitting here and you have not trusted in Christ. If you want your restless soul to find rest, then you need a mediator, you need a covenant. You need a sacrifice for sin. And friends, there is only one mediator. There is only one covenant. There is only one sacrifice. And that is found completely in Jesus. Nothing else will do. And there are people that you may come across that say, you know what, just all religions lead to God. It's just, just be a good person, you'll get to heaven. That is not what God says. If you don't have Jesus, you don't get God. If you don't have Jesus, then you don't have anything to cover your sin. No covenant of fellowship, no mediator to speak on your behalf. It is Jesus or it is nothing. God has written that deep longing on your heart to know him and he has provided in Jesus all you need to satisfy that longing. He is a free gift of grace. You do nothing. He does everything. Receive him. 
and find rest for your soul. God has set the deepest longing in our hearts to want to see him and know him and he provides all that we need to satisfy that longing in Christ, our mediator, who gives us a new covenant with God and cleanses us by his blood, that we may approach the throne of grace with confidence, that we may look forward to that day where we ascend the hill together and we sit at his table and we eat with Jesus. Let's pray.